0: Thanks for joining this episode of Pulling the Strings podcast, powered by Puppet, and I'm delighted to be your host. My name is Demetrius Malbro, and I'm on the product marketing team here at Puppet, and I'm really excited today to talk with Rick Monroe, and Rick is a user experience architect here at Puppet, and he's well-versed in product design, user research interaction design and design strategy on products that are used globally. Welcome to Pulling the Strings, Rick. How are you today?
1: I am good, Demetrius. Thanks for having me along.
0: All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump right into the questions for our audience. First question I have for you, and I want to start off a little light and easy here. So why don't we open up with... How did you get started with UX design and in, in the UX design world? Share that with us.
1: I, I'll, I'll attempt to. Uh, I've been something of a, uh, I would almost say a journeyman in design over, over the years. I got started in graphic design in what we might term visual design. So I was working with... You know, maybe wayfinding systems in in universities. I was working with exhibitions and really just dealing with with visual information and the communication of of, of that. Uh, with the web, um, I got into web design and designing websites. And in the earlier years of the of the web, uh, I'll say I'm, I'm, I've been around the block a few times. There's a few grey hairs on uh, above my ears. And then I, I I got into something that was called rich internet applications. Uh, which was, you know, creating more elaborate front ends, which then kind of spoke to through middleware to databases, and that that was really something which sent me down the product design route, I guess. And I I took over a a design team around twelve or thirteen years ago, and we had different processes, and we all went about our work in different ways. And something called user centered design emerged as as a flag that we could all rally around, and it became a new way of talking about the designs that we were creating. And then user-centred design is one of the, the, the kind of foundations of user experience. I came through agencies and consultancies through those kinds of projects. I had access to, to startups and just helping them get off the ground and defining their, their product uh, from, a, from a user's uh, point of view. Because of that, I, I, I wanted to get into the world of product and kind of work longer term with products and, and kind of live with the decisions uh, that I was taking. And then seeing those through to fruition and then just going back and iterating and improving where where I could. And Puppet is is certainly the kind of challenge that you want uh, as a designer. You know, some of the the issues Mm -hmm. and the the challenges that we have are, you know, sizable, but they're they're good challenges. You know, it's good work.
0: Okay. I appreciate you sharing your journey and, um, you know, kind of going back and remembering some of the gray hairs that uh, have occurred over your career. So one thing that I do want to ask is kind of the, like, let's go back to the evolution of UX, uh, specifically within Puppet, like when you first came on board and um, just kind of that whole history and the evolution of, of UX kind of starting within Puppet.
1: Yeah, Puppet has, has quite a distinguished uh, history with uh, UX and user-centered design. So I know that in the early days, when Luke Keenies had uh, started the company, If you were one of the early employees, uh, as you came through the door, you were given a copy of a book called The Design of Everyday Things, which is, uh, you know, a really foundational text for for designers. It's written by a man called Don Norman, who's one of the luminaries of of the industry. And it just changes your mindset to, you know, think about the things that we use in a different way and understand when they've been well designed, you know, with the user in mind. So this was given to everyone in in the company. So if you speak to any of the early employees uh, uh, in Puppet who are still uh, with us, they'll be able to tell you that they were given this book. And I I think that was a a real statement of intent by Luke to say, "Yes, we're building very complex products, but we, you know, we need to understand the user, and we need to give them tools that are, you know, effective and that they can understand in order to help manage the complexity that that they're dealing with." So that that really impressed me. not speaking about myself, but the caliber of folks who work in UX puppet, are you know, is very impressive, and that and that helped.
0: Now, this book is—is is that book still relevant today? I know it's probably written maybe back in the early two thousands, maybe somewhere around there. But do you think that it's it's still relevant today?
1: I would say it's still relevant, uh, Demetrius, uh, and I would go so far as to say it's it's almost timeless in mm. in what it communicates. Because it's dealing with principles, it's not, uh, it's not looking at trends or you know interface design specifically. Uh, it's looking at it's looking at products about how, how products are put together and what the you know the ethos needs to be in, in product design. You know if if, I, if I'm talking to folks who are just starting out in their career, maybe they're, they're at college or just coming into the industry, it would be Mm -hmm. one of four or five books that that I would point to straight away uh, to help them understand the the, the role that they need to play in building products and what they need to contribute. So it's absolutely relevant simply because it doesn't attempt to be timely, it's timeless.
0: Okay. Now, you, you make me want to go read the book just because I'm curious about it. Not not that I want to be a UX designer, but I am always a, a sponge when it comes to uh, looking at one thing and taking that perspective and kind of implementing it into that next thing that I'm working on, because you, you gain you know ideas uh, and synchronicities just from some of the things that you read from one area, and you can apply that to another. Um, so, Specifically, Rick, um, you know, we deal with a lot of practitioners today, um, but just going a level above that, like to uh, IT director or IT decision maker, you know, what, let's say, an IT director be interested in in UX design?
1: Uh, that's a, that's a fair, fair question. I don't think IT directors are directly or need to be directly interested in UX design per se. Uh, I think IT directors are interested in value. They're interested in wondering what any given piece of software will do for their organization. And, and UX design does play a role in that. There, there's a, a maxim that says uh, people don't buy into products, they buy into better versions of themselves. So, you know, if, if you buy you know, fitness equipment, if you, if you buy a new piece of uh, hardware, you know, you take out a new subscription you you're actually investing in a future version of yourself and what you're going to become through that investment and with with enterprise software you know organizations want to be better versions of themselves you know whether they they want greater efficiency greater agility whatever that means for them greater security and that's that's ultimately what we want to design for we want to help facilitate those outcomes um so we're we're very i think in ux design we're very conscious as well that that any innovation in the enterprise it's is often replacing something else it's it requires mm-hmm. an operational change you know you know sometimes cultural change uh, and this is particularly pronounced when devops practices are are introduced so we are always trying to you know understand the problem that we are solving with our with our software and I think where an i t director would be interested. <laughs> Is how well are we solving that problem for them? How effectively, or, or how, um, you know, how well are we helping them achieve the change that they want to create in their organization? I'm not saying that's a you know exclusively a UX concern, but it's certainly something that we need to bear in mind, yeah. uh, as well.
0: Okay, great, great. So I, I am assuming that um, some some of these problems that uh, they may not be directly. Uh, associated for an IT director for UX design, but uh, I guess uh, some of the challenges and and complexities uh, just around designing kind of the experience of what that end state, what that end goal is, and the vision of how you want, you know, the product to look, you know, those are things that they would probably be really, you know, more interested in and not the minutia of, you know, how does a UX designer actually go about accomplishing that? Okay, so, Rick, there's a lot happening right now. Um, You know, we're in the midst of a pandemic. COVID-19 is happening, and I think I read today somewhere over maybe 200,000 lives uh, have been lost. But kind of correlating that back into design and kind of where we are right now just from a cultural perspective. And uh, a lot has happened, and the pandemic has brought on uh, some cultural shifts. Uh, specifically, in you know terminology and uh, language, and some of those things are actually being looked at now uh, and being changed. Uh, for instance, like the term master and slave, they are uh, actually being modified and changed just by multiple organizations. But how does that correlate to uh, or within the design world? What what are you seeing from that perspective and that shift?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, Demetrius, and the tech industry as a whole is uh, you know, playing catch-up with, with what's happening in, in society. Uh, you know, Put bluntly, the ethics of what we, we make have not evolved at the same rate as the development of, of the technology itself, um, and we've seen how software, sometimes very simple tools, uh, can reflect and magnify the worst aspects of, of our humanity. And, and certainly we want to be part of a of a shift to being better than that. I, I run a, uh, a UX meetup in Belfast and it evolved from a, a book club, but it's kind of retained its book club roots in that we talk to authors and uh, look at themes that new publications are surfacing. And a couple of years ago, there was a whole run of books that we looked at that were just too important not to cover. I would highlight two specifically. Um, the first is technically wrong by Sarah Wachter-Butcher, mm-hmm. which it holds up a mirror to the tech industry. Uh, it just lists a catalogue of uh, you know, failures uh, where, where technology has let people down. If I tell you the subtitle of the book, it's called Sexist Apps, Biased Algorithms and Other Threats of Toxic Tech, um, that should wow. probably speak volumes. But it, like I say, it just ha- holds up a mirror to, to what we have been. And then another book, Tech Humanist, by Kate O'Neill. It it's almost like a manifesto for the tech industry of tomorrow. You know, those and other books are helping us as an industry wake up to how we can do things better. Um, at Puppet, we of course we we want to be a part of that. We work with a set of design principles. There there are universal principles of design, it should be said, that we are taught as you know, as designers at college and that we learn as we grow as professionals. But um, as with a lot of software uh, producers we have our own principles that that we apply to uh, the context of our our own software and we recently committed to rewriting those design principles so these form the the bedrock of our design these are the lens through which we judge our work and the the first and, and most important of those as far as we're concerned is to design ethically and inclusively and that means that you know we we don't use terms or conventions that are biased or exclusionary Cause harm and you know inclusive design as we would helps everyone so just as inclusion in society helps everyone so inclusive design helps everyone and that's that's what we're committing ourselves to so that that is uh, there's a great blog post actually on the public website uh, reflecting the work done by Melissa caspern our UX director and Ben Ford who's our senior uh, engineering product manager and um, they've, they've done some great work in as you say looking at where we need to Change across our, our products in terms of terminology, but that's just the start of it. For us, this this isn't a you know ticking a box. This is this is a
0: shift. Okay, and I I really love the shift that that is happening. Just you know, not really looking at some of the things that COVID nineteen has done, but you know, I am more of a glass half full type of guy. So uh, I remember when when all of this started, and I was unable to get a haircut. And I started looking like Wolfman Jack. Um, <laughs> I, I just remember sitting on my deck and breathing in the, the air. It was so cool. And I, I think emissions also dropped and smog and, you know, just the air was so much clearer. Um, and so also I remember just my thinking being a lot more clear as well. And then things kind of started, I guess, heightening around the world. And then people start really paying attention to some of the things that have happened in the past, primarily around, uh, you know, race relations, et cetera. But, you know, I won't get into any of that uh, really deeply here, but I, I really like the direction that the industry, the overall uh, automation industry has gone in around considering changing terminology and, and language and just uh, really reevaluating that. So, you know, thank you for being a part of that um, and uh, also implementing some of those design principles within within Puppet. Any anything cool that you're working on? What, what projects are you working on right now that you can share with uh, pulling the strings listeners?
1: Well, uh, there's there's always interesting stuff going on going on at uh, puppet. I will say uh, one thing i at highlight from the past uh, before I look at the future. What I worked on at puppet as soon as I came through the doors, I was working on uh, the PDK, which is the puppet development mm-hmm. kit, which some folks out there may be uh, familiar with, and that was my my first encounter with with puppet as a technology and with puppet users and that, that taught me a great deal about you know what we needed to to create for for folks to you know help get their work done I'm still very really proud of that that, that was around three years ago now that the pdk emerged I think it's a, a very good example of the uh, of design for the command line but I was assisted that's not to to kind of inflate my own ego and there was a great team I was working with around then who you know produced something that I, I think offers great value to to folks who are trying to develop for for puppet Currently, I'm working on a product called Puppet Remediate. Mm-hmm. So this is a uh, this is a tool which we are hoping will kill the spreadsheet and mm-hmm. take the pain out of uh, manual vulnerability management processes uh, within teams. And that that's something that we are developing and iterating on all the time. It's turning into a, to a really nice tool, and I'd commend anyone to to take a, a look at it if they are you know if they have a very painful uh, vulnerability management process within in their organization uh, public right. immediate is is something that can help them uh, I'm also working with our tech docs team to improve some of the usability uh, around uh, tech docs uh, I mean the documentation is such a, a key touch point such an important kind of interaction point with our technology and right. we're always trying to improve that as well so we're we're going out with some research uh, with users to to see how we can make that make that better and I mentioned research there. We are really fortunate at Puppet to have a program called the Puppet Test Pilots Program. Mm -hmm. And the Test Pilots Program is is something that helps us make better products. It it is made up of the users of our products. We could be going out for usability testing for uh, participants in surveys. Uh, We might want to show beta versions of some of our releases, prototypes. And we know that we have folks who want to help us do that because ultimately it will help you. Uh, improve their work so one thing i would ask for for anyone who has an interest in uh, helping us improve what we do is to get involved in the test pilots program and there's a, a link on the the website that, that will take you to a, a form uh, where you can just ask to be included in you know certain studies or or just give us feedback on on anything we're doing um, and that doesn't have to be a you know a huge onerous task. it could be just thirty minutes to to try something out for us or, or just give us feedback on something we're trying to achieve. so we will always look to the end users and the teams who are using our products to help make them better
0: okay well, let's see. we are rolling into the uh the final moments here and uh i I also heard that you were a big electronic music fan is is that correct? <laughs>
1: It is uh, probably probably bigger than it should be. I spend a lot of my day listening to uh, electronic music when I'm working. Um mm-hmm. like Eric Sorensen, who works at uh, works at Puppet, that some people maybe uh, some people may be familiar with Eric. But he he produces electronic music. Yeah, uh, I just listen, I just consume it. Uh, I find it helps me concentrate and work. Um,
0: so what what are you listening to right now? Is there like an an, an artist? That, that, that you're really listening to uh, someone new?
1: Uh, yeah, th- there's actually a label that, that I listen to a lot called An- Anjuna Beats. Uh, mm-hmm. They have a, another sister label called Anju- Anjuna Deep. And the artists on there are just, just phenomenal. Knox Vaughan uh, is, a, is a favorite at the moment. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go old school as well. I'll go right back to Jean-Michel Jarre or, you know, Kraftwerk, anything.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> anything. yeah. But, and uh, I, I guess also due to the, the the pandemic, you know, movie theaters are kind of shut down right now, and we're not able to really go and sit and partake in, you know, the Dolby surround sound and you know, kind of feel the the experience of a movie. But uh, I also heard that you were into comic books and you know marvel to indie graphic novels and i don't know if you still do that or not but um you know are you reading anything interesting right now or anything you you may want to share with with someone who's listening out there who's like a comic enthusiast as as you are
1: sure uh i mean i was i grew up on, on marvel comics they, they were my you know the, the marvel movies when i was growing up took took place in my head uh, that, that was the only thing that could could create the special effects that I was imagining off the page. So I would still keep up with what, what Marvel does, um, and I think Marvel's great because it it kind of gets some of the best indie writers from the industry and, and brings them into the fold to to kind of offer something uh, new and and different. And you know, when you think of some of the writers they've, they've had in the last uh, fifteen years, maybe a lot of what they were doing. Uh, on the page, made it into the uh, movie universe, so it's it, actually some of what you might read nowadays will probably end up in a movie in five years. So it's it's always mm. always worth checking in in on those. Uh, Jonathan Hickman was a was a great uh, indie comic producer. He mm. had a, the first thing I read of his was called The Nightly News, which was uh, you know like so many of the indie graphic novels as far away from capes and masks as you, as you could get. Um, But I'll I'll read anything. I mean, my daughter is studying the Shakespeare play Macbeth in school Mm -hmm. at the moment. And there's a great graphic novel series that illustrates classics like that, like Shakespeare novels. Includes the full historical or the full original text in the you know in the graphic novel that brings it to life in a way that makes it much more accessible. So I think uh, it's a it's a great art form. I think it Mm. it's not. At its peak, the way it was in the '90s, I think there were millions of X-Men comics sold in in the '90s, and I'm sure a lot of people yeah. were reading it back then. But there, there's, it's still a great industry, and there's such great creativity in it. So I'm still very much a proud comic fan.
0: All right. Well, if um, if you happen to see anything related that looks like it could be related to indie or or Marvel within the the puppet design, then you you can blame that on Rick, okay? Because he <laughs> he just you know share with you how much of an enthusiast he is and um and he may even have like some some hidden things in there that will play some electronic music or something if you happen to you know upload some code to github and you know it it returns you know the output and desired state that you would like to achieve right (laughs) yeah you're Um, giving me some
1: good ideas here
0: All right, so uh, please provide our listeners, I guess, details of how they can reach out to you on social media if you're on Twitter or, or maybe LinkedIn. Not sure if you are, but you know, it would be great to tell them.
1: Uh, sure. Uh, you, you could find me on Twitter at at Monroe. That's M-O-N-R-O. And I'll, I'll generally, uh, that'll be, I'd say 90% professional and design-related and the other 10% is probably comics, to, to be honest. Um. Mm-hmm. I would ask, if anyone's interested in the Test Pilots program, if you want to email testpilots at puppet.com and just say that you, you want to get involved in any research we're doing, I would strongly encourage you to do that. Um, we just want to hear from the folks who are using our software or who need to use it and not using it yet. So uh, your, your view and your, your feedback would be great to get.
0: You have it, listeners. Uh, please check that out. Uh, go to testpilots.com. At puppet.com. And also, I would like to thank you, Rick, for sharing with us here on Pulling the Strings podcast powered by Puppet. Until next time, you know, everyone have a fantastic week.